In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about our favorite lovable asshole, the 300 Foxway sitcom, and a goth in the pantry in our discussion of The Raven King, the final book of The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefvater. Deal with it, everyone. Deal with it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm in my new house. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss The Raven King by Maggie Steve Arthur. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't read this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, or all the echoes surrounding me right now, then listen up. <laughs> You're in I one can't of the get caves. over how echoey it is. You're in one of the caves. I know, I am. I know. Where's Gwynthian? <laughs> I need her help. No help here. No, there's no help. I'm no you hope. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna. Look, next week it'll be less echoey. I swear. There will be more stuff in this room. <laughs> it won't just be an empty hole in the ground. It's going to be fine. I'm so happy. (laughs) I know. Oh, right. Well, I think everybody's going to have to buckle in for this one. It's with it being the last in the series. So let's get started. Hit me with your background info. Let's do. My background info came from One Thing Leads to Another, uh, which we've... I've gotten background info from them before, and I really, really like it. It's from YALSA, the Young Adult Library Services, part of ALA, the American Library Association. And we've gotten stuff from here before. I think the very first time I found it was with Libba Bray, and it was ridiculous. Um, So this time, this is an interview with Maggie, and she is asked to describe her teenage self. And she says, sulky effervescent, pugnacious, pushover, gloomy, elated, musical, musical, musical. I was a creature of opposites, black-hearted and belligerent or funny and warm. No one got both sides of me. And that's why I picked this one, because that's me! (laughs) Black-hearted. 1,000%. 1,000%. No heartache? I just tell everybody that I'm a goth no on heart. the inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at least four times every week at work, uh, I either say or someone says to me that I am dead inside. That's so sweet. Oh. I know. Oh, that's so nice. I know. It's well, true, though. Yeah. Yes. And I appreciate it. I see no lie. 
None. No lies. So, initial thoughts. This is the end. The end! The Except end. for it's not really because there's a spinoff series, but like... Well, it is the end. It's the end of the main series. <sighs> I could just see the, the credits rolling. I know. I could see Fire's music over the background. Which always yes. confuses the life out of me at the end and of the ev- book, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But hey, it's cool music. It's good The stuff. first time I heard it, I was very confused. It's I was talented. like, whoa, because I was sitting in the office. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> oh, was it bad because you were probably listening at like two and a half times speed? And then it's like weird, creepy, scratchy violins. Yeah, but I actually like, kind of oh, like that. I was more jumpy because I wasn't yeah. expecting it. And then it was, I was like, this is creepy. I probably should listen to it at normal speed. That would be the right thing to do. But I kind of like the creepy factor. Because remember, goth on the yeah. inside. Right, yeah. See it. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. I also got confused because I checked well, and it, it was like 10 minutes left and it was in the epilogue. I was like, that's not right. Oh, there's music. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Do you have any additions to my initial thoughts? Do you have your own <laughs> initial thoughts, perhaps? Is it thank fuck we're finished? Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with that. Yeah. It's fine. It, it's not been the it's easiest fine. of series for me. It's fine. It's payback. Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> oh, but at least those well, are exactly. short. Exactly. Those, those are exceptionally short. But no, but it's what we've always said. You don't have to love every book. Except for yes. this one. Everyone has to love this series. I keep forgetting no... you're always right and I'm always wrong. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. It is, though. But, you know, if you want to believe that, you believe that. You know what? With the power of editing, <laughs> I am always right. <laughs> just just going to nip onto the fictional hangover social medias. Just one second. Changing password. Claire is always right. Amanda is always wrong. There we go. No, 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 no. All right, let's get started. Let's do it. Richard Campbell Gansey III knows he is going to die. He's known since he heard his own voice on his recording from his night sitting at the corpse road. He knew to sit on the corpse road thanks to his reading of Roger Mallory's book on ley lines. He read the book because when he was ten, he was stung to death by hornets and was told by a voice that he would live because of Glendower because someone somewhere else was dying when they shouldn't be. He knows he's getting close to finding Glendower, the king he's been searching for since then. He also knows that he is a king himself. The psychics of 300 Foxway, just a few days after Mara and Artemis returned from being underground, decide to do a reading to figure out if there's a way they can stop Gansey from dying and to stop the darkness they feel coming and killing everyone and ending the world. That'd be a bonus. The question, they question the safety of Blue and the Raven boys going into Cabe's water. But Artemis, who has been living there quietly and panicky in the pantry, says that the forest loves them, but doesn't say more. I just love the idea of Artemis just living in the pantry and every now and again they open it up to get a can of beans out and he's just sitting there. 
with his guy liner. He's <laughs> just sitting there, just quietly. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After doing a full life reading using all their tarot cards, the psychics decide that the teens are going to have to work together to solve the world ending problem and that Gamzee is going to die. Gansey and Adam are at school, but Ronan is nowhere to be found, which irks Gansey, who suddenly gets a discreet but not discreet acknowledgement from the headmaster of Aglenby. Adam takes this to mean that Gansey has paid off the school to let Ronan graduate if Ronan comes to class. Well, that is not (laughs) happening. Gansey gets a call from his mother, and his phone says it's 621, which it definitely isn't. His mother wants to have an election event at the school that weekend, and while she and Gansey talk, Adam is drawn into Cabeswater. He shudders out of it and realizes what Ronan is doing since he's not in school. He's dreaming. Ronan snuck out of Monmouth and is cleaning up the barns. He spends his day renovating and trying to dream of protective skin to keep Gansey safe from hornet stings, but he can't quite get it right. In one of his dreams, he's face down between part of the earth floor and caves water and creating the dream skin, but then orphan girl shows up anxious and warning of danger. As Ronan's pulling the dream skin out, darkness comes for him. He asks orphan girl to help him as the darkness encloses them. So he curls over her protectively. He wakes and realises he's brought something unintended out of his dream. Blue has been suspended from school, and now she's sitting out by her favourite beech tree in the backyard of 300 Fox Way. Noah appears and is very animated and goofy, and then Blue notices that Gwynthian is in the branches of the tree above them. Since Noah is always more Noah when he's around Blue's boosting mirror magic, he's doubly so between Blue and Gwynthian. Gwynthian tells Noah to show Blue what he's really like, and it is terrifying. He's barely anything more than bones and gristle, and I love his <laughs> gristle! Blue asks if he's ready to move on, and he says, not yet. Then suddenly, Gansey, Adam, and Ronan arrive. The Raven boys plus Blue drive to Cave's Water, planning to take the thing that Ronan unintentionally pulled from his dreams there. The thing is orphan girl, Ronan's tiny hooved dream companion and she is currently in the back of Gansey Suburban. They drive past Algonby and Henry Cheng flags them down, letting them know that their tailgate is open. It's not, but clearly he saw orphan girl in the back and wanted to let Gansey know without saying anything to attract attention. Good guy, Henry. They drive on to Gibbswater, <laughs> but before they go in, Gansey gets another call from his mother, and as Blue gazes at him, Adam realises they have something going on. Both Adam and Blue decide at nearly the same time that they need to talk, so they plan to the next day. They enter Cabeswater, and as Adam connects with it, he sees visions that are a little creepier than usual, which is, I think, the theme of this book. But then Orphan Girl starts to sing and the forest responds and things are back to normal. Adam thinks of a bass line from one of Ronan's favorite types of songs and they share a smile and walk on to find Aurora, Ronan's dreamed mother, with magical music pulsing around them. When they reach her, they plan to leave Orphan Girl with her. Ronan tells his mother that the dream he pulled Orphan Girl from was wrong and she reveals that she has something to show them. 
Aurora leads them through the forest and brings them to a tree, menacing and dripping with black ooze. The teens ask if the tree does anything magical, or if this is all it is, and fortunately or unfortunately, this seems to be it. However, as they're all standing around, slightly scared, the three women with Blue's face and bloody hands from Roger Mallory's tapestry he discovered in the last book suddenly appear. Together they creep closer and closer to the group, saying in an eerie monotone, Make way for the Raven King. Over and over. Blue grabs Gansey's hand and Adam tells him to tell the women to leave. Boosted by Blue's mirror power, Gansey commands Cave's water to make it safe and the women rain away. The teens leave Orphan Girl with Aurora and head back to Henrietta. When Blue gets back to 300 Fox Way, she immediately goes to the kitchen to pound on the pantry door, demanding answers from Artemis. She wants to know why the ladies with her face nearly attacked them in Cave's Water, and she wants to know where Glendower is. Artemis remains quietly and resolutely in the pantry. <laughs> Mara summons Blue into the bathroom, where she, Kala, Orla, and Jimmy are in and around the full bathtub, unsuccessfully trying to contact Persephone. Blue tells them she wants to tell Gansey about seeing him on the corpse road because she loves him and they all agree that she should. Talk then changes to what Blue wants out of life, to travel and do good, and the psychics encourage her to do that, maybe with Gansey's financial help, even though he's prob's gonna die. Well, just get his credit card and pin number beforehand, it's fine. I mean, just be written into his yeah. will. He'll yeah, do it. Nice Make make Ronan dream you a fake will. <laughs> Done. Make Ronan dream you the money. You don't even have to worry about Gansey then. Ah, oh, it's true. It's true. Far away, the Lamonia triplets who live as one singular Lamonia are discussing going to visit Colin Greenmantle, which probably means going to torture and or kill him. Lamonia know something is going on in Henrietta and that Green Mantle is no longer there and that the Grey Man is no longer working with him. Lamonia dislike Green Mantle for making the magical object trade more dangerous and for marrying their daughter Piper. Speaking of which, one of the Lamonia begins to hum and buzz and then Piper's voice comes from him, which is freaking eerie. She tells Lamonia that she has an interesting object for her to trade and that she's getting in on the business. Lamonia don't feel good about this and one pulls out a rosary, places it on the buzzing pipe of Lamonia and ends what was a possession. That can't be good. Can't be it's good. It's one way to make a phone call. It cannot call, be good. Jeez. <laughs> possession. <laughs> Later that night, Gansey goes for a swim at Aglenby, forgetting, for once, everything going on in his life, while Noah, unknowingly, watches him. Adam finishes a shift at work and then gets in his car and watches as his hand moves of its own accord, thinking it's Cape's water. After all, he did tell the forest that he would be its hands and eyes, but realizing it's probably not Cape's water that's doing that to his hand. Ronan dreams of his brothers, and then the dream turns to a nightmare as the black tree drips and everything he's ever dreamt unmakes around him and turns to nothing. Something dark somewhere nearby on the ley line has awoken. <laughs> At Anglenby the next day, there is a school-wide event called Raven Day that Noah dreamed up when he was a student there. After a presentation, Gansey and Adam split up. 
at 6.21. Wait, no, that can't be right. Gansey goes out to take part in the event, but immediately begins reliving his stinging death. Luckily, Henry Chang rescues him by distracting him with soothing words and invites him to a party. Adam, meanwhile, is in the bathroom, staring into a mirror, thinking something is in his eye. Then his eyes move of its own, and a black ooze seeps from a stall. Adam calls for Caleb's water to help him, but it takes forever for it to come to his aid, telling him to get water. Adam floods the sink and the blackness disappears. Something just attacked him in Caleb's water at the same time. Oh, I just thought of a really good would you rather question that we're probably going to forget by the time we Pause, get there. Pause, write it down. Pause, rather... write it down. Would... No, I'm just going to ask you right now. Would you rather have your hand move on its own or your eyeball? <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted by eyeball because it's a little freakier. It is. You know when you get a twitch at the corner of your eye and it feels like it's doing that anyways? something along that lines (laughs) (laughs) after school Adam meets up with Blue at Nino's and they get into a fight because she and Gansey are obviously together and haven't told anyone which is more evident by the fact that they're going to a toga party at Henry Chang's together later Adam is upset because they must have assumed that poor, pitiful Adam wouldn't be able to handle it. But could he, though? Could he? Because he's real mad right now. (laughs) Across town, Mora and the gray man are driving around looking for something, and Mora's eye begins to bother her. She leads them to the farmhouse where Colin and Piper lived. The farmhouse is supernaturally, frighteningly dark. In the bathroom, where Piper was once found scrying, Mara sees Piper's name written backwards in pink lipstick on the mirror, and Noah dying on the floor. They take Noah back to 300 Foxway and discover that he's barely hanging on to his non-life and might be a portent of terrible things to come. They ask if he wants to be sent on, and he says not yet. At 6.21, no, 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 8.30... Ronan meets up with Adam and finds him scrying into the headlights of his car. Obvious place to do it. Ronan offers Adam a hand up and they grasp each other a little longer than needed. Adam tells Ronan he's looking for a devil and the darkness that attacked him and Cabe's water earlier and took over his eye in hand. Ronan stares into Adam's eyes and carefully examines his hands even though they both know it's not strictly necessary. Ronan then tells Adam that the darkness is coming for him in his dreams, too. Oof. At 6.21, no, it's 8.41, they set off in search of the devil with Ronan driving and Adam scrying and directing Ronan where to go. Adam is greeted briefly by Persephone while searching for the devil. No, a demon. It's definitely a demon. But then she disappears. Adam feels a connection between the demon and Cave's water and Ronan, but can't quite figure out what it is, but he knows the demon is in Cave's water. Unfortunately, Adam at first imagined the wrong devil and directed them to his parents' trailer. Ronan spits out the open window, giving Adam's father a death stare before they drive away. 
As they leave, Adam feels overwhelmingly sad about leaving orphan girls scared in caves water, much like he always felt at the trailer, so they decide to go get her. While Gansey and Blue have a delightful time together at Henry Chang's, Ronan and Adam go to Caves Water calling for Orphan Girl, but it's wrong. They both ask for it to be daylight, but Caves Water struggles to make that happen. At 6.21, Adam asks about Ronan's nightmares of darkness and if he thinks the wrongness of Caves Water and his nightmares are connected. He also asks if Ronan thinks if he stopped dreaming for a while so Adam could fix Caves Water everything will be okay. Then things click into place and Ronan feels it coming. Adam asks if Ronan dreamed Cave's water and he reveals that he did. He actually just manifested it. He didn't create it because it was existed forever in different forms. Wrongness creeps in over them and they decide to call for Orphan Girl again. She appears at 6.21 and screams as the ground falls away from her and she tumbles into a clear pool below. Ronan immediately dives in after her even though he recognises the pool from one of his nightmares and knows that it's not water but acid. They sink down, Ronan begging Cave's water for the acid to become water but it doesn't work. Then he begs for air which also doesn't work. Soon, they're surrounded by plants and lifted from the pool. Adam is at the edge, also wrapped in plants, using his connection with Cave's water to save them. They get out of the acid pool just as it turns to black ooze. And they flee the forest. So much black ooze in this one. So much black ooze. It's taken over everything. (laughs) At 6.21. Oh, wait, that's not right. (laughs) Blue calls home from the toga party. Mara asks her to check in throughout the night, but the psychics haven't been answering the phone. Blue tells Gansey that something is wrong, so they head to 300 Fox Way. They arrive at 6.21 to a supernaturally dark and buzzing house. Then they find Orla, who screams. Blue feels like she must find the buzzing sound to make Orla stop screaming, and then they encounter Noah, who is not Noah at all. He replicates and turns to dashes and scribbles, then rushes blue. His voice returns briefly to tell them to get away, but then he's terrifying and starts whispering and make her. Blue tells whatever is in Noah to get out of him, but then his hands turn to claws and he tries to pull out Blue's eye. Gansey grasps for her hand and asks her to help him amplify his voice to force Noah, not Noah, to be Noah again. 600 miles away... At, surprising no one, 621, hornets crawl into Colin Greenmantle's townhouse in Boston while he is examining his magical artifacts. A tiny taxidermied unicorn, a four-armed suit of armor, a constantly bleeding spear, earrings that claim to allow the wearer to see through walls. He sees Piper in a reflection and she's strangling him, but she disappears and he thinks he's having a drunken mental breakdown. Then, the swarm comes and begins stinging him to death. Piper appears inside the swarm as Colin dies. It is now 6.22. In Cape's Water, Piper and Neve are with a giant hornet, the demon that Piper will walk in the cave. When she asked her for a favour, as was promised for waking the three sleepers, it said it will favour her, and it has been. The demon hornet allowed Piper to swarm to Boston to kill her husband. 
Neve doesn't think aligning with a demon is a good idea, especially since it says it's going to unmake everything, but Piper doesn't seem to care. She uses it to call Lumia again. At the urgent care, everyone gathers to visit Blue. Gansey is mad at Ronan and Adam for being in Caveswater while Blue was getting her eye ripped out by a demon-possessed Noah, but then Adam thinks about Noah being possessed seems an awful lot like his hand and eye being possessed. Gansey realizes time is short, so he takes this opportunity to tell Adam and Ronan the truth about his relationship with Blue. Obviously, Adam already knows, and Ronan just says gross, but... Things get back to normal after that. Ew. God, I love Ronan. Gross. All right, thanks for that. I mean, to be fair, you know, they're like siblings to him, really. <laughs> yeah. Gross. <laughs> Ew. In Washington, D.C., Declan Lynch gets a phone call from a woman called Sunduck, one of the magical artifact collectors that Nia Lynch used to deal with with Declan's help. Sunduk warns Declan that something dangerous is about to be auctioned off in Henrietta and that wolves like Linumia, Green Mantle and others will be there to bid on it. She doesn't tell him what the item is, but warns him anyway. She says she misses Nile Lynch and that he had a beautiful mind. Declan, thinking of Ronan, agrees. At school the next day, Henry asks Gansey if he and Blue enjoyed the toga party, then tells him he has something to show him. A secret. Henry leads Gansey to a priest hole in the basement of one of the school buildings and tells him that he was once kidnapped and held for ransom and put in a hole just like this. Yikes. His kidnappers were interested in something his mother had, which he then places into Gansey's hand. It's a bee. Gansey promptly freaks the fuck out on the inside, but Henry assures him he is safe. The bee is a robot that his mother acquired in an artifact trade and is magical, not created in a lab. Robo-Bee can read Henry's thoughts and has been following Gansey to see if Henry can trust him. He can. Henry knows Gansey and his friends are magical and tells Gansey that his mother, Sunduck, sells magic and sent him to Aglenby on purpose, but he just wants to be friends. Ronan is also at school and hates it more than words can say. He gets several texts from Declan asking him to call to text to meet up with him, but he maybe hates Declan more than he hates school, so... Near the end of the day, Ronan slams his locker a few times just for funsies and then encounters Adam, who immediately lifts his mood. Ronan asks if Adam is working after school, and he says he is, with a dreamer, which lifts his mood even more. They have plans to try to fix Cabe's water. Before they can do that, though, Ronan realises Declan is outside waiting on him. He reluctantly joins his brother in his car, where he's told that something bad is about to happen in Henrietta. Declan reveals that he's been selling their father's magical objects and now there's something new for sale that he's not involved with but the sellers are coming to Henrietta which means they might find out about Ronan. Declan nearly begs Ronan to come with him and Matthew to DC but he refuses. Henrietta is his home. Blue is greeted after school by Henry in his fancy electric Raven Boy car to see if she wants a ride home. She declines because she's got a reputation of hating Raven Boys to uphold, so he allows her to fake yell at him to keep up the charade. 
Unfortunately, Gansey drives up in the pig right after and tells her that Ronan called him, which is serious business because Ronan hates using his phone. So she gets in his car and they drive to the barns. At the barns, they're having a party. At first, Adam thinks it's a birthday party for Ronan, but it's a going away party for Matthew, who is going to DC with Declan. Ronan, of course, is not leaving his home, which is now officially the Barnes. Looking around on his own, Adam finds Ronan's room full of dreamed objects. He sees a car that plays music when its tyres roll and thinks of buying himself a similar toy when he was a kid and overhearing his father saying disgusting things about him to his mother and her going along with it. Before Adam would let his dark thought drag him down, but now in a home surrounded by his friends and magic, he lets it go. Ronan comes in shortly after this thought, sits down next to Adam on the bed and kisses him. It seems that both Adam and Ronan are happier now than they've ever been before. (laughs) And Amanda squeezed so high-pitched that Zoom cuts out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, it remains on the recording and everyone will get to hear it. (laughs) Earphone warning, earphone warning. Neve and Piper are in Cabeswater with the demon. Neve, who has always wanted respect and recognition, doesn't want it like this, but Piper does. Neve realizes everything is terrible, and she tries to convince Piper that, you know, this is a demon? So even though it's favoring Piper now, surely that's not gonna last. As the demon unmakes the forest around them, Piper asks it to make her a cave slash house so she can take a bath. But first, she contacts Lemonnier to see how the progression of her magical item auction is going. Lemonnier set up the auction the day after Gansey's mother's political event at Aglenby so many people could come and go in Henrietta and no one would notice. As Piper bathes, Neve tries to run away to scry and tell the psychics, but Piper and the demon find her and unmake her. (laughs) After Declan and Matthew leave the barns, Gansey, Blue, Adam and Ronan discuss everything. The 621 stuff, Noah attacking Blue, Adam's wandering eyeball, the oozing tree, the artifact sale, Henry's bee, and whether or not they should protect Cabe's water. They all definitely agree that they should. While they're talking, Maura calls to tell them about Neve and that she was unmade by a demon who will unmake everything attached to Cabe's water. Well, well, at least her scrying wasn't for nothing. Since this is dire information, Adam convinces Ronan to tell Gansey and Blue that he dreamt Cabe's water. And after a little bit of shock and mocking, Blue and Gansey just accept it and move on. Since they're being truthful, Adam then tells Gansey about kissing Ronan. And again, that was just accepted and they moved on. Huge revelations taken care of, they decide it's time they find Glendower. Across town, Henry Chang is taking out the trash and is kind of kidnapped by the grey man (laughs) who is trying to find information on the artifact sale. I love the details of this scene because he's wearing a Madonna shirt and potentially nothing else. (laughs) He's just walking around in a t-shirt. I love it. He may or may not have underwear on, but... It really doesn't seem like we we'll leave does. it to the reader's imagination. <laughs> oh. Mm. 
Henry sends Robo B for help from someone who can stop the Gray Man, and soon enough, Gansey calls him. They agree to meet at a very public grocery store, and Henry tells them everything he knows about the artifact sale, that many people are coming for the auction of a magical entity. Could it be Ronan? Could it be the demon? As they discuss who will be in attendance, Henry tells them that Colin Greenmantle is dead, so he won't be there. Before any more details come out about how he knows that, the Gray Man spots two of the three Lamonier in a security mirror. He sends the teens away to keep them safe. That night, Ronan and Adam stay together, and it's the happiest Ronan has ever been. <laughs> and also Amanda. He doesn't dream, and he never wants to sleep again. The demon, on the other hand, doesn't sleep. He spends the night unmaking the forest, but plans to save unmaking the dreamer for last. Ooh, that's the fun part. Mm. The trees and caves water fight for as long as they can, but the one that has been there the longest is defeated, and the others feel they don't stand a chance. This causes Gwendolyn to wake screaming. The oldest tree in caves water was her mother, and now she's dead. Gwendolyn rushes to Artemis's pantry. <laughs> He's now munching on a pack of cookies. Demanding he come out and tell her where her father Glendower is. She demands he tell her about the demon. He refuses and runs out into the backyard and into the beech tree. Gwendolyn goes back inside and declares that the demon is coming and they're all going to die. Except for Artemis who will live forever. As a tree. <laughs> He's literally a tree right now. <laughs> Adam wakes the next day in Declan's bed, wondering if his kiss and the night at the barns with Ronan was actually real. And it was. And then I squeeze. He goes outside to find Ronan in the middle of the field, seemingly completely at peace. They both are. Together, they plan to dream. Gansey, meanwhile, is in trouble with his sister, Helen. She found out that Gansey bribed the headmaster at Aglenby to let Ronan graduate, which is terrible timing on his part, since their mother is running for office. He, Blue, and Henry are enjoying lunch with the Ganseys, and Helen pulls him aside to ask him about the bribe. Gansey offered Monmouth Manufacturing to the headmaster in exchange for a diploma for Ronan, who might not realize now that he needs one, but he might someday. Plus, friggin' Gansey's about to die, so he doesn't need a home. <laughs> Scared of it. Bye. Helen is awed by her little brother. Also, she does not know that he is promptly going to die. She also really likes Blue and wants him to kiss her. Oh, Helen, we can't do that. <laughs> Adam and Ronan begin to scry and dream but Caves Water is terrifying and not responding to Adam it takes a little while for them to meet in the dream space and when Adam finds Ronan he's standing over the corpse of his white knight horror after this gruesome discovery orphan girl calls to Ronan which is odd because she's with them in the barns and shouldn't be able to be in the dream too but everything seems to be melding together she calls again and Ronan and Adam find her, covered in blood, beside Aurora Lynch's body. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> the Grey Man and Mora are on their way to the barns in search of the third Lamonier. 
The Gray Man hopes to find him searching for magical items in the barns and not him having murdered Ronan, who is not answering his phone. They arrive to find Ronan and Adam and a strange hooved girl dreaming, scrying, and sitting oddly still. Mara is scared for Adam when he doesn't respond to her, so she tells the Gray Man that she's going to go looking for him, but not to let her search for a long time because that's how Persephone died. She's gone for a count of three before Adam returns to his body, begging for them to wake Ronan and not leave him in the dream space with his dead mother. Ronan wakes and the gray man watches as he brings back his mother's blood. Mora returns too, and then Orphan Girl screams. Lamonier is there! The gray man makes a split-second decision to kill this third of Lamonier, but that means he's going to have to go on the run away from Mora to keep her safe because the other Lamonier will be after him until either he or they are dead. Everyone meets up at 300 Foxway after this dangerous decision. A gray man instructs anyone who is essentially not integral to the plot to leave for their own safety. The teens, Mora, Gwendolyn, and Kala remain. Noah is also kind of there, but only barely. And Artemis, but, you know, he's inside a tree. The grey man tells them to kill the demon and he will take care of everything else. Ronan waits catatonically in his car for Gansey to figure out how to find Glendower and to tell him what to do. Blue decides to speak to her father. She takes Ronan's language puzzle box and heads to the beech tree, knowing that the other language they couldn't figure out is the language of the trees. Blue uses the box to connect with her father, the beech tree. <laughs> it's a literal family tree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's been buzzing in my head. <sighs> when he doesn't respond, she gets mad and gives up, telling him that he has no right to be inside that tree and that if anyone does, it's her because she loves it. Artemis appears then and tells Blue that the language they are speaking is of the Tiralintes, which translates to tree lights. When this doesn't make any sense at all, Artemis explains that trees are a skin house to a Tiralintes, meaning that they can come and go within them and that they act like mirrors when they're on a ley line. Then he explains how he and Glendower came to be in Henrietta. Glendower was to be protected by the Tiernlentus and made to live longer while he was in their protection. But there was a lot of bloodshed and human expansion in Wales, so the forests of the Tiernlentus were destroyed. They fled to Henrietta and to its lear line, and that's where Mora found him. She wanted to speak to the trees, and he spoke back. Blue asks if she is human and Artemis tells her that Mora is, but says nothing of her. Then tells her that remaining in a human form is tiring and that he wants to go back to the forest on the layer line, but that the demon is unmaking it. Blue asks how to kill the demon and unfortunately, because the demon is made by bloodshed and death on a ley line, the only way to undo it is for someone to willingly sacrifice themselves on the line. Gansey realizes that this is why he's going to die. Later, Adam goes to sleep in Ronan's car with him. Gansey sleeps on a couch and Blue sleeps in her bedroom. She dreams of being a tree and Gansey being with her, which makes her very happy. 
He tells her that he loves her, and he knows now why he is meant to die, and that he doesn't want to, but he's going to do it. Gansey wakes, finds Gwynthian, and asks her to tell him how to find Glendower. She tells him he already knows, and then it clicks for him. He asks to hold her hand to borrow her mirror magic, and commands to be told the way to Glendower. A magical deer creature appears to lead the way, and a swarm of birds begin to follow it, singing, Make way for the Raven King. Gansey rushes to the pig and races after the birds. Blue runs down to Ronan and Adam in Ronan's car a little bit later and tells them that Gansey left to find Glendower. They want to follow him, but they have no idea where he's gone. So Ronan, even though Cave's Water is a literal hellscape, dreams a little firefly to help them track him. All the while he's in his dream, the demon is telling him terrible things, but he's determined to help his family. Gansey, meanwhile, has broken down, but serendipitously, Henry had Robobi tracking him in case he needed help, and now here he is, picking Gansey up on the side of the road. Together, they speed off to catch up with the birds, which lead them to the same place where Gansey died as a kid. Gansey and Henry split up to explore the museum mansion that is now run down and derelict, but was once bright and lovely. Gansey walks to the exact place where he died and knows that he was saved for exactly this moment, to kill the demon. As he's thinking about his death, Henry calls to him. He found a cave that may or may not have always existed, and Gansey lowers himself inside. He follows a pathway until his flashlight on his phone drains the battery, and then he keeps going in complete darkness. Then he hears the swarm. The darkness closes around him, the same dreadful darkness seeping from the trees in Caveswater, filling him with despair. He asks Caveswater to make the swarm something safe, and then he hears Ronan, Blue, Adam, and Henry do the same. They followed him, and now they're together again. But what are they supposed to do? <laughs> Henry tells Gansey to tell Robobee to find Glendower, and it zooms off. The teens follow Robobee to a door similar to Gwenthian's tomb door, and know that it is Glendower's. They enter, and instead of finding a king to wake, they find a dusty old pile of bones. Damn it! Glendower is dead, and probably always has been. Gansey tries to wake the bones like they did with the magical animals in the cave, but nothing happens. They leave, dejected and with her hopes of wishing for Glendower to kill the demon or to save Gansey or to bring Noah back to life. Damn. That, that, that's a wah, kicker. Wah. What if it just ended right there? The end. <laughs> Shrug. Shrug. Outside the cave, they realize that they've lost an entire day, which means Gansey missed his mother's campaign event and that the magical artifact sale will be happening soon. Gansey tells them all that he's known since book one that he's gonna die because he heard his own voice on the corpse road and he knows that Blue saw him there. He doesn't want to die, but he's ready. They decide that they are going to go to Caveswater in hopes that its time manipulation will be enough for his soul to not leave his body immediately or for too long so they can command it back inside his body before he's really truly dead forever. It's as good a plan as any. Unfortunately, as soon as they make the plan, Adam attacks Ronan. His hands and eyes belong to the demon now, and it wants Ronan dead. 
They manage to get Adam tied up and blindfolded, and he says that he should be the one to be sacrificed since he's not in control of himself anymore. But everyone refuses. While all this is happening, the artifact seal begins. The Grey Man meets Sunduk and talks about a future plan where one day they will be free of all the violent people that come searching for magical items. Sunduk likes this plan and also likes that the Grey Man has one third of the Lomonia's blood on his shoe. Lamonia was the one who kidnapped Henry, so obviously she dislikes them. As they talk, Piper flies into the gathering on a swarm of hornets carrying the demon. She shows it off, and when everyone is disgusted and terrified instead of intrigued, she asks it to control those who try to flee. Then she demands it to do frivolous stuff, but all the while it is whispering frightening things into everyone's heads, including Lamonia, who then shoots their daughter. The demon drinks her blood and begins to rise, more horrendous than ever. So sad, too bad, couldn't have happened to a nicer person. (laughs) Adam is tied up in the back seat of Ronan's car, so he doesn't know what's going on when everyone else starts to freak out. The road ahead of them is flooded with blood and flower petals, which, if you will recall from book two, is what Ronan's parents said about him when he was born. Suddenly, the driver's seat of the car bucks, and Adam worries something is happening to Ronan. Something is happening. He keeps blacking out and pulling random shit back with him when he returns to consciousness. The demon is unmaking him. He's dying. And Amanda weeps. Adam immediately begins to scry, trying to find Cabe's water, trying to find help for Ronan without using his hands or eyes. He finds Persephone, who tells Adam that he made a deal with Cabe's water to be its hands and eyes, not the demon. As soon as he realizes this, he's himself again. The demon continues unmaking Ronan. It's difficult, but it knew it would be. Every time the demon pulls Ronan into the darkness, he reaches for the light. Every time this happens, Ronan wakes and pulls whatever he reached for into the world with him. Gansey realizes he must make his sacrifice now or Ronan will die. He tells Blue and she hates it, but they knew it was going to happen. Together they stand in the middle of a field and she kisses him. Just before Gansey dies, he commands that his death be used to kill the demon. Then he slumps out of Blue's arms. Wah, wah. <laughs> End of book. <laughs> As Gansey dies, Noah relives his life and Gansey's. He relives his murder and the time he spent with his friends and the times he was so angry for dying that he grew to immense proportions and broke things. He spends the rest of his time circling because that's how life is spent after death instead of in a straight line. He's been waiting for the moment of Gansey's first death in order to tell him that he would live because of Glendower and Gansey's second death so he can quietly slip away from time entirely. <laughs> Everybody's dying. <laughs> End of book. End of book. Blue, Adam, Ronan, and Henry don't know what to do without Gansey. Ronan is tearful. Adam is dead eyed. Blue is desolate. Henry is. creative. He tells them it's not supposed to end like this and that they are Gansey's magicians. Surely they could do something. 
Adam saved himself from falling debris. Ronan pulls stuff from dreams. Blue just killed someone with her mouth. They <laughs> are magic. Also, Gansey has died and come back before, so why can't he again? The first time was because Noah died, so Adam suggests maybe they should ask Cabe's water. Ronan says it doesn't have enough energy left to help, but that's not what Adam meant. Maybe it has enough left to die for Gansey. Cabe's water isn't a forest. It just looks like one now. It has died and come back over and over and over again forever. It doesn't know if it can use its magic on something so small, something that doesn't live forever, but it tries. It listens to Blue and Ronan and Adam. It takes Blue's sadness and it adds it to its creation. It takes Ronan's despair and wonder. It takes Adam's wistful regret. As each piece is added, another tree falls. Finally, the forest is gone. Make way for the Raven King, it says, as Blue tells Gansey to wake up. End of book! End of After no, graduation, Adam drives Ronan's BMW from the barns to the trailer park to visit his parents, who did not attend the ceremony, even though Adam invited them. They are as dreadful as always, but Adam wants to try to have a life with them in it. Maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. Across town, Gansey, Blue and Henry are on a sort of scavenger hunt for Blue's graduation present from Ronan. They're planning an epic road trip, and soon enough, they find what Ronan meant for them to find. Claire's favorite field full of Mitsubishis. Uh, And one very special orange Camaro that Blue will like very much. It's the one he dreamed with Kavinsky that ran perfectly well, but had no engine. Ronan? Orphan girl, now called Orpal, and Chainsaw are walking in a field that used to be a magical forest on a layer line and come across a wheel from a Camaro. Ronan decides that they're going to have a lot more adventures together in that car and on the layer line. He takes Orpal and Chainsaw back home to the barns where he thinks of everything he liked and didn't like about Cave's Water. He thinks of how, if he made it now, it would be safer and better able to reach out and connect with other similar places along the layer line. He climbs up on the roof and Ronan begins to dream. <gasps> end, Actual of end of book! book. <laughs> <laughs> The genuine end of book. Genuine ending. (sighs) (laughs) All right. Everyone needs to go to sleep now because that summary was 48 years long. Begin to dream something great and come back in a little bit. (laughs) Dream of black ooze. No, don't dream of that. Do you dream of black ooze? I probably will dream of black ooze. I probably am black ooze. Dream of black ooze and Mitsubishis. No, you dream of Mitsubishis. No, I refuse. (laughs) (sighs) 
Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Claire, it's finally over. And you're so happy you've never been happier in your life. <laughs> Much like Ronan and Adam after smooching up a storm. Aww. You've never been happier. Took them long enough. I did. Why did he even did. try with blue? <sighs> waste of time. I don't know. Waste I don't of time. Know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she's part tree, so that's kind of cool. That's kind of weird. <laughs> so what you're telling me <laughs> is that Adam was literally barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm not sorry. It's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. I love it. Oh, terrible tree puns all all throughout everything. Terrible tree puns. So I wish I could think of more, but it's just... It's not happening. I should have prepared with a list of trees. You should have. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Since I love this series more than anything, why don't you say some things that you like and then I'll just talk, you know, for the rest of forever about okay. how much I like it. What do I like? What do I like? Ronan and Adam, finally. It's hinted at that Ronan is gay. It's not hinted at that Adam is bi. So the relationship's sort of a little bit of a, oh, didn't see that one coming, but you kind of totally were seeing it coming because there was hints, you know, there was yeah looks and gazes and it was there. You knew it was there, but it finally happened, which is lovely, which I liked. I really enjoyed that. And to be fair, I would have preferred more of that romance than anything to do with Blue. But we, right, that's because, because I have blue. thoughts and feelings about blue, which I'm not going to go into again because we all know what they are. So yes, I did like that. Would you like to... You, you, their relationship is one of your favourites in YA. So do you want to just yes. squee about that for a few minutes? I mean, I don't really have much to squee about because everyone knows how I feel about Ronan. Everyone has known how I've felt about Ronan since the first book. I mean, he's... A lovable asshole. He's the he's the reason lovable asshole exists, uh, and he's just he's just one of my favorite characters in any book ever. So, even though I'm dead inside, <laughs> when when he can be happy, it makes me happy. So, I just love him, and he deserves he deserves love. And I'm happy that it happened. 
But he's just the best. He's he's seriously one of my favorite characters of all time ever. Why? What makes him so special for you? Because I mean, he was just a, a he was a good character, but he didn't stand out. Particular, he doesn't stand out for me like he does for you. So what makes him one of your favorite characters of all time? Because you've read a lot of books. I have read a lot of books. Um, I I really love these types of magical realism books, which we've talked about a couple of times before. So this is already one of my favorite types of settings. And Ronan is, like I said, a lovable asshole. And I just, I don't, I don't know why I like him so much because he's terrible. He's just, he's mean and full of cuss words and basically dead on the inside, which is me. Maybe I just love Ronan so much because because I feel like I am Ronan, minus the fact that I want to kiss Adam because I don't want to kiss Adam. But I don't know. And I really, I love his power that he has. I think it's very unique ability in a book. And like, we've read a lot of things where people have a lot of paranormal abilities or supernatural abilities. And the ability to pull something from dreams and that it's not always good, I think is something that I like a lot. I appreciate the fact that even though this does, you know, everything ties up nicely in the end and it has a like a positive ending, I, I appreciate the fact that a lot of terrible fucking things happen in this series, but it still, it still works out. But I think I just... I, I think that's it, really, is that I love the series so much. And then when you see a character like Adam, who, I mean, a character like Ronan, who <laughs> I love how sarcastic he is, how, like, but how kind he is at the same time. It's just, it's a really good mixture of all of the things that I like. Yeah. Wrapped up in one sarcastically, darkly, tattooed asshole who whose best friend is a raven that he pulled out of his dream <laughs> he likes to eat hot dogs and is sarcastic and an asshole as well yes yeah just <laughs> the scene where Gansey tells everyone that he and Blue have something going on <laughs> And his his response is just gross. Like, it's perfect. It's a perfect response. And then I don't know. I, I like how I like how these things that are so important to them, like Blue and Gansey finally getting together and finally feeling like they can tell their friends. But nobody. I mean, after Adam being a twat about it, like, then it's just fine. And that's it. And we don't talk about it anymore. And when Adam tells them that he and Ronan kissed, like, it's just fine. And that's all there is. They, nobody makes a big deal about anything, which is something that I that I really appreciate. Yeah, I kind of like the fact that um, Adam didn't make a big deal about Gansey and Blue being together. Because clearly he and Blue did not work. It was it was right. awkward and shoehorned and it was awful. So when they started drifting apart and it just it was oh thank goodness. 
but you allowed your five minutes of actually feeling a little bit hurt because who was your girlfriend is now going out with one of your best friends. You're allowed that transition of feeling. But once you spent five minutes being an idiot about it, it was done and dusted and you moved on. Well, he moved mm. on straight to Ronan's mouth. So that was fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Let's all move on to Ronan's mouth. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> just, just move right in there. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, uh, I, I just, I appreciate that Ronan is finally happy. Like, he lives in the barns now. He's, a, he's back home, surrounded by all the weird dream shit that he and his father have made their entire lives. He's got a boyfriend. He's got his raven. He's got his orphan girl. Like, he's got his own little found family that, you know, that they've created together, which found family is one of our most favorite yes, things, Claire. It is, it is. I think, as well, Rodin's relationship with Declan seems to have improved a lot. Like... It's like he finally understands who and what Declan is and Declan finally understands who and what Ronan is. They don't have to be best friends, the the brothers at the end of the day. But I finally finally didn't hate Declan quite so much. Yeah. Which was nice. Because I feel as well, in the previous books with Declan, my opinion of him was marred by Ronan's opinion of Declan. Like... You right. felt like the somewhat pettiness, sibling pettiness, and the misunderstanding in the ennui of a sibling who you the, with the wistful, wistful ennui, ennui um, <laughs> of, a, of a sibling who you're not bothered by, and you don't have to be best friends with a sibling at all. Um, and I think my as a reader, my feelings were very much uh, influenced by Ronan's, and now I think. Declan, I don't think he's a fantastic character or anything. He isn't the bee's knees of the book, but I certainly don't hate him as much as before. Or they don't like him as much before. Hate's probably too strong. Yeah. Um, but you know, we talked about, was it in the first book or the second book that we, uh, I think it was the second book, yeah. where we were talking about Declan and how like, there's just, there's Declan and he's just like, eh. And then there's Ronan, who's like, oh, Ronan. And then there's Matthew, who's just like a bubbly creature of delight. And we were we were talking about why that is. And I didn't want to say that it was because Matthew was a dream. And, you know, Ronan is a dreamer. And then there's just Declan over on the side. But, you know, there's nothing special about Declan. So that's got to be rough. Yeah. He's coping with just being a normie. <laughs> so basic he is he's just a regular nothing guy I did like that and everyone around him is special in some way exactly and I did like the fact that Ronan actually thought about Matthew for five minutes and thought I dreamed up my little brother when I was like three years old I could not have made him into a well rounded person at the age of three so I need to take care of him Mm mm-hmm and yeah, it was a, a new side to Ronan where he's he's actually looking out for blood relatives and not blood, dream blood relatives. 
the yeah does he even have insides that's something that he says about Ron or about um orphan girl when she's frolicking around in the backyard eating a stick and the, and both he and adam are like should she be eating that i don't know and he's like i don't even know if she has organs i don't know like what what is inside of them has dream stuff surely has matthew ever peed and pooped in order to have had dinners maybe three-year-old dreamer dreamer ronan can create a fully functioning organed person better than what 19 year old dreamer ronan can (laughs) yeah maybe well because three-year-old ronan is you know probably pooping and peeing all over the place because he's three he's he's looking at the the the, uh, the lift flap books that you get as a as a toddler that has like the circulatory yeah. system so he's just looking at them going oh i would like a little baby brother and and, and he's got all of these bones and skeletons and oh look a liver yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that he has bones and skeletons two kidneys and a liver two hearts because you know doctor <laughs> who was on in the background right. yeah <laughs> yeah um, okay, the other thing that I liked was the graduation gift, and I chuckled at the sea of Mitsubishis. I was freaking <laughs> hit the Mitsubishi. Okay. <sighs> the um, sea of Mitsubishis. <laughs> okay, and I adored the descriptions of the tarot cards uh, in that all of the, the the psychics of 300 fox we have got uh, like the one that was I can't, whose was it that was scratched into a pa- pack of playing cards that's Gwynthians there was the one that was in every single one there's kissing even if it's got nothing to do with kissing there are people kissing yeah, yeah that one was Orla's and there's the one that was very um, like very deep shadows and quite gothic looking was that uh I feel like that's colours. And I can't remember what was the other one. Quite um probably the opposite of colours, which was quite pretty and no no, was it the like, traditional one? I can't remember off the top yeah, of the Yeah, there was a traditional one that had like ladies and cats. Yes. And I think I think that was Jimmy's. Which I find I find it interesting that Jimmy has been around the entire time. She's always been there, but we don't know anything about her. Until this book. Yeah. But, I mean, not to be wanting, I don't, not to turn things onto a negative, but starting to get into the more, I uh, didn't understand the whys of it. Suddenly we had Jimmy and Henry, two quite semi pivotal characters, especially Henry, appear and be in this book. And I'm like, where did they come from? It seems odd. It's like the last episode of a of a of a of a TV series. It's the last book in the series, and suddenly you've got these fairly big characters coming in, changing what's going yeah. on. And I was like, oh, should they not have been pre-established in at least book three, or hovering in the background? And it really made me think: Have I missed them at some point? Well, Jimmy was always Jimmy was always mentioned, but we didn't mention Jimmy in the summaries because Jimmy didn't do anything. She was just there. She was just another psychic in the house. But, like, we don't know her specialty. We don't know a thing about Jimmy until this book. And we know that she's very kind and loving and, like, 
knows a lot of stuff about herbs and things like that, which is great. But like, did did we really need her? I don't feel like we I did. I think not. No. Henry, on the other hand, Henry was mentioned in book three. He was there. And now I I, I really like Henry. Um, I He was... Uh, aside from obviously Ronan, he was uh, my favorite character in this book. But he he was very important. And I'm glad that he was because I liked his storyline. I liked what happened. He was able to introduce the artifact trade and that there are other people who deal in magical objects other than just, you know, the gray man and green mantle. You know, there are, there are others that exist, and now because Henry is here in this one, and he says that, you know, like, oh, I was kidnapped because my mother had something, and then we found out that his mother is one of these artifacts traders too, like, it, it opens the door a little bit more than, than it has been in the other books, but... I don't know. I wish maybe Henry had been always floating around in the background. Yeah, I don't even Not necessarily need for book in one. Because I think book. in book one, there's such a big cast of characters introduced with the Raven boys and Blue and the psychics at 300 Fox Way that adding Henry in at that point would have been too much. But certainly for yeah. book two, you know, the little drops of Henry being in the background at Anglerby. And then in book three, possibly taking on a not necessarily a big role, but at least participating in a conversation or two. So then it's less of a shock by book four, because I did like Henry as a character, and I really do appreciate what he brought to the story. But I would have liked him to have been around a bit more, so it was less of a... I don't want to say shoehorn or... But it, right. I don't want to say he was forced into it because he wasn't but I just think it would have been nicer for him to have been more established in the narrative yeah I feel like if he had been introduced in book two with all of the stuff happening with Kavinsky it would have made a little bit more sense yeah. because Kavinsky you know he had a bunch of hooligans around him all the time and there were parties and all sorts of stuff always going on around Kavinsky so we got to see a little bit more of that side and like a little bit more like students at the school yeah so it would have it would have made sense for him to be you know just his name thrown in here and there yes in that one and then he did have a decent role in the third one where he was you know he was standing on the side of the road and he saw Ronan, I mean, he saw um, Gansey and Blue together on one of their driving around late at night car dates. And then he was there when Adam saved himself from the scaffolding falling. So he was there and he was witness to like this magic happening. But I don't know. I wish he had been around a little bit more. Yeah, just not even not even as a main character, just as a a, a, a gentler hint, a gentler participation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so potentially unpopular feelings. I don't know how I feel about Adam forgiving his abusive family. Ugh, um, no, I do not feel not like they deserve him. Obviously, the trial did not go very well in Adam's favour since his father's not in prison, um, as he should be. And I don't 
I don't. I think it's because they are toxic, they are abusive, and I don't feel like uh, if you've been abused by someone, you need to offer them any forgiveness. But that might just be me and other people who have yeah. suffered um, that kind of abuse in the past may think that actually, yeah, that is the closure, that is a preferred route. But I just don't think. I don't think Adam needs to let them into the, into his life. They don't deserve him. And I didn't no. like that. I think that him going there and like not not really trying one more time, but kind of, and then just being able to walk away from it is the closure that he needed to go there and like prove that he is, you know, a man and yeah, you stupid fucker, I'm deaf in one ear because of you, and you should have been there to take me to the hospital, but you, like, you didn't do it, and I had to get my found family to take care of me when you should have been doing that. I think that, I think that was a good bit of closure for him, but man, just, it should have ended with his family when Ronan spit out the car window at him. Yeah, that Done. I did did not need that, like personally. But I can understand it if it, if people who relate to Adam's situation found comfort in the way that it was addressed. Okay, uh, this is the one you're probably not gonna like. Um, Gansey should have stayed dead. Ooh, no, I agree with that one thousand oh, percent. Gansey should have stayed dead. No, I was so no, worried. Gansey. No, Gansey's sole purpose in the book was, in the entire series, was to die. He should have stayed dead. I think it's almost a surprise that they were able to bring him back. I wish that he had stayed dead. Thank you. I agree with you. Thank you. I agree with you 100%. Would... He should have... It, it It was meant to happen. Huh. We knew from the from book one that he was going to die. So let him stay dead. That was his purpose. Yeah. Should have stayed dead. Should have stayed dead. Blue kissed him, so that prophecy was fulfilled. Gansey died, that prophecy was fulfilled. And Yeah. You know, Blue's eighteen, she's a kid. Move on. Yeah. We talked about this like previously in the books. She's like, you know, I I don't even know if I believe in that. Why does this matter? Like and then Orla is in the background going, oh, no, you should love everyone. You should make out with everyone all the time. You know, I, why does she have to have her true love when she turns 18? Yeah. Or when she's 18. Like, we should, there should be more in our lives. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be the first one. And, yeah, I agree with you. I wish she would have died. It would have, like, not every single book has to have a happy ending. Yes. And that probably would have made it a perfect series for me if he was dead, if he stayed dead. Yeah. I would have liked the book a heck of a lot. I, I really enjoyed Blue Lily Lily Blue. Mm. That's my favourite out of the series. Um, And I did enjoy this one, but there was just that... Oh, I, I even liked the fact that Glendower was dead. And they just found a big yeah, pile of balls. I quite, I, I really quite like that. I was like, <laughs> womp womp, sucks to be mm-hmm. you guys. How are you going to try and get out of it now? Um, so I kind of I like, I really like that. But Gansey should have 
yeah, the the sacrifice when somebody sacrifices themselves in fiction and then are brought back to life pretty much straight away, I feel like the sacrifice is negated. Yeah, it means nothing. It's it's an empty. I mean, the new, he knew going in, it wasn't that it wasn't going to happen, and he didn't know he was going to come back. Or perhaps if he did come back, it wasn't as you know an alive person. It was potentially as a ghost, like Noah. Yeah, and you know he had to because poor Noah, he just kind of faded away, and I felt like. I felt sorry for Noah because it was kind of like he just disappeared in the background and he didn't have this kind of like fanfare ending that he deserved. It was so quiet, but I suppose it is the ending that he needed to have. But it would have been interesting that Gansey kind of took over Noah's role where he was, you know, whispering to somebody else about their potential sacrifice and their future. and Yeah. It, that that's a push, and that is an absolute push. Yeah. If you must keep Gansey, that is a push. But I would have preferred he stayed dead. Yeah, same. I would have. I would have preferred he stayed dead too. I mean that that would be a proper sacrifice. Yes, for him to die and stay dead. Um, but I did appreciate how Noah died. You know, died died dead and actually disappeared. And the entire time, you know, he's there. He's just gristle. But everyone asks him, like, are you sure you still want to be here? Like, we're we're pretty powerful psychics. We can send you on where you need to go. And he's like, no, not yet. Not yet. And he's just been living this circular time over and over and over again, constantly reliving his death, constantly reliving Gansey's death, constantly seeing Gansey die for the second time and, like, this is what's happening to him. Yeah. It's going to drive a person crazy. over and over and over. Yeah. And so then, you know, it makes sense. Those couple of times where, like, he's smashing stuff in the background or when he was being really weird and blue, lily, lily, blue. He, you know, his, his being was boosted by both blue and Gwynthian in that one. But just, just the fact that he was repeating all of these deaths over and over and over again. I'm glad that he was able to just drift off. Like, okay, my job is finally done. Yeah. And he can finally be at peace. I appreciated that. But yeah, I wish that Gansey would have stayed dead. And then, like, Blue could just, you know, go on to Henry. I liked Henry quite a bit, even though Henry referred to himself as a Henry sexual, which I also appreciated. <laughs> But, like, she had a really good connection with Henry, and they both want to travel and do good in the world, and I don't know. I I would have been happy with that as an ending. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She and, she and Henry going off together, into skipping through the field of Mitsubishis, <laughs> and then it would have made it even more meaningful for them to be left the pig, or the dream pig. You know, oh, here I am. Like this is my this is my true love's car, but it's a weird dream version of it. And so I have it, and he's dead now. Let's drive around and explore. Let's just kiss every motherfucker under the sun now, because that curse is gone. 
that prophecy is yeah, dead. Just kiss everyone. Just, just kiss everyone just all the kiss time. Kiss everyone. Um, I think I didn't know who my favorite character was. I didn't know. That's um, fine. I believe there were eighteen points of view in this one. That's so nice. it's fine for you to not have a favorite character. But can I say my <laughs> favorite character kind of not necessarily the person, but more the aspect of a goth in a pantry. <laughs> I just freaking love the fact that Artemis. And right, I've got this picture in my head like Artemis has got like long hair and it's kind of greasy and it's kind of like Probably. over his face a little bit, you know? And yeah. he's got he's always got his head tilted down because you know he's a bit skittish at this point. But he's sure. got like a smoky eye. And he's got his mm. eyeliner is on fleek. And you know, he's got the wings on there as well, because if you're gonna have eyeliner, right. you've got to have your wings. Of course. And he's just, you know, a little bit more pale and he's got cheekbones to die for, okay? Yeah, of course. And he's gonna be in kind of like not he's not going to be in leathers. He's going to be in like dark clothes, very natural fiber. Mm. Inside a pantry, like sitting on an upturned bucket or like crate, <laughs> vegetable crate. <laughs> and every time they open the door, he's like sitting there, he's eating a carrot. Or they open the door, he's having <laughs> cookies. Or they're like, Artemis, oh, can you just pass us the the noodles? And he has to, you know hand them out or they, sh- they come home with the shopping they put the bags just put the bags in the pantry and the little goth in the pantry just unpacks them if you've ever seen the it crowd very british program but if you've ever seen it crowd i'm kind of thinking a sort of noel fielding character and in the it crowd there's a secret door that nobody realizes like it's based on the it in an it department um, yeah, I thought it was called the IT crowd, by the way, it because the IT crowd. It gets IT. both of them. And if you if you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm probably the American version. Noel Fielding is there, no, there's Britain's the UK crowd. version, and everybody watches it. That's fine. So it's if hilarious. you think about Noel Fielding, the goth in the secret room behind, sort of a little bit like him, but not as white. So basically. <laughs> That's what I've got in my head. No fielding in a pantry. Putting away the shopping. I think that's fine. Cookies and carrots. That's So yeah. there's a goth in the pantry and that's Artemis. So I'm going to say that's my favourite character, but it's not actually Artemis. It's just the idea in my head <laughs> of what's taken place. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I love to imagine Artemis, the goth in the pantry. Yes. I really like that. It's just... I also... It made me chuckle so much I, while I was listening to yeah. the audiobook. Um, I like that also he has this ability to become a tree. Yeah. Who wouldn't like that? He just, you, he just is a tree. It's like, oh, this is an awkward situation. Tree. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm really tired. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Tree. Or you know you're like you know you're just really tired and you're really hungry, but you just can't be bothered to even make a sandwich or just get some crackers. You're like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to turn to a tree and photosynthesize for a while. I love it. 
you just don't want to do it in a public place because you do not want any dogs going around and using you for right that. no yeah. yeah you don't want to go into a tree no. in a dog park no. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. that's uh <laughs> speaking of of the tirolintes i feel like that was also another thing that was just kind of thrown in yeah like, we know that the trees in Cabe's Water are always speaking and that they're probably not actually trees because they're in a magical place. So I, I get that. But again, if we could just have sprinkled that in a little bit earlier. Yeah. That the trees are that have the ability to also be people. Yes. Well, that's kind of like... Blue's lineage her family tree <laughs> <laughs> um it's not fully explained it's just kind of like well your mum's human and and you're half a tree is this birch my uncle is this oak my aunt what's going on talk to me it's, no. Yeah, I just that was a loose thread for me. I also, I also kind of appreciate it though that it just kind of was just out there. Yeah. So, you know, it it makes you think: are are all the trees around me? Are they are they all also people? Well, I've seen Tolkien. Or, They're all ants, in my opinion. So. Right, yeah, it's fine, but I, but I kind of appreciated that, like, we don't know, yeah, necessarily all the details about that. But I wish that there had been a little bit more established with them. I think for me, it kind of like, is it really supposed to be a five book series? Are we supposed to get a little bit more information, a little bit more character development, introduction of certain things, and then the whole. You know the actual Raven King section and the sacrifice should have been in the last book, or is it like not fully giving us the information so the reader can then fill in the blanks themselves, or is it because there's potential for further series explorations of these? If you just read the four, I feel like. I feel like you struggle to give it like a five out of five because you've got all of these little loose threads um, and little holes that you kind of like, well, I, I would have liked a little bit more explanation about this, a little bit more about this, a little bit more character of this. Like talking about Henry's introduction, it would have been nicer if we could have had a little bit more of Henry in there from an earlier stage. Um, so it's like, I think overall, it's like, well, I just need that little bit more. Hmm. I needed See, more Ronan and, Ad- and Adam kissing. I needed more right, of that. Right, well, I mean, then just go and read the the Dreamer trilogy. You don't sell me more books. Give me what I want in this book. <laughs> and then sell me more books. So, I, I appreciate going back a little bit. I know that I was just saying, I wish that there had been a little bit more about those things. And you were saying, I wish that there had been a little bit more about these things. But I also kind of appreciate that there's not at all. Because that's like a part of the whole magical realism in this world. Like the world is huge and most everyone is normal. 
but there's some magical things going on. And so it's okay that there's magical stuff that we don't know about because our world is focused on this one tiny thing, but the whole rest of the world is around us and it is also weird as fuck. So, so I kind of appreciate it at the same time. I need, what I need is a sitcom called 300 Fox Wayne. That would be delightful. And then my goth and then we would get more of Jimmy every now and again. Yes. But then we could have gotten more of Jimmy. We could have we could have learned more about the psychics. I do appreciate the one chapter that didn't get it into the summary because it doesn't really have anything to do with the entire plot of everything. But there's one little bit where we see a young Mara hitchhiking down the road and like then we see a young uh Kala coming up from this side and then we see a young Persephone coming up from this side and they all meet in the same spot and they don't know each other and they get into a car together and now they all live in the house together that's what I need that's what I want I'm not bothered by blue and you know I'm uh, I want them. I want the psychics. The three. They. They are for me the interest. Like, I. I am. I am more in for interested in the side characters in this series than the core. Yeah. There's, except for Ronan. Well, except for Ronan, because there's just so much intrigue. They've had lives, and I want to know what they have done because you know they might present themselves at a certain age but i am you can guarantee that they are not that age and i just yeah that i want that i want more information about that and i think that's part of what again what will satisfy this meal would be to have that information i'm greedy i want details i want law I'd be quite happy to sit and read like a semi-fact book about them where it just talks about the characters. You know, I don't need it to be even woven into a story, just this is Mara, this is the Grey Man, because I find him an intriguing character. This, you know, this yeah. is Persephone, this is Neve. I just want all of them just detailed out to me. It doesn't need to be woven into a story. Because the it's the it's three hundred fox where has me very interested. Plus the goth in the pantry. <laughs> Plus the goth in the pantry always. Always, always the goth in the pantry. Back. Always come back to the goth. Carla's in the pantry. doing her her aerial yoga, and then in the background you just see Artemis the goth come out of the pantry, do something, and then walk back, and then you've got Gwendolyn who's just walking around with her hoover. <laughs> it just... It's like, it will be a perfect sitcom as well. So Netflix, call us. Be. Definitely. <laughs> um, surprises. Wonder, Did you like, have any surprises, by the way? Um, I had forgotten about Le Manier, uh killing Piper. That was a good day. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Don't get all braggy. Don't get all big in the head. Oh, look, the demon does what I say. Ah! <laughs> yeah. 
Lol. Dead. <laughs> dead. She did. Yeah. I also like I like I like the thought of Lemonnier being three different people who also just live as one person. We are legion. It reminds me of the prestige. Yes. And they're just like constantly switching back and forth between being, you know, the one person, but there's three of them and then like one of them's a little bit more French than the other two. And, <laughs> I don't know. I just I I liked I liked that additional character. Yeah, that was quite fun. Or three. It, again, would have been nice to have been introduced a bit sooner. Well, I believe that they were mentioned in book three when there was a lot going on with Green Mantle. I'm pretty sure they he mentioned that they existed, but we didn't know that they were Piper's father. I'm not upset we by Green know. Mantle's death, by the way, either. That was quite fun. No, I enjoyed his death and the fact that he's wearing boxers and a blazer and he's just walking around amongst all of his treasures, monologuing to himself about how he's drunk and that he's like lived this life and that he's probably having a mental breakdown and then the wasps come. And then wasps. Yes. <laughs> it was exactly the death he deserved. I agree. I agree. <laughs> did you did you have a surprise? Um I think there was a, there was probably a few, you know, I wasn't really like because I wasn't massively invested in the series like you are. Like I wasn't trying to predict what was going to happen and you know so there's lots of surprises that that you know Piper's death and things like that but my favorite one was probably the fact it's Noah's voice that Gansey hears which annoys me because I probably should have worked that out <laughs> you know it's one of these again where the hints are there but you know, I'll, I'll freely admit I listen to these audiobooks while I'm, I've got long days at work and I can just put my head down and get on with work but I can also listen to an audiobook and just do it in one big stint so I always listen to these yeah. in one big big listen Um, so it's annoying that I missed those hints but I liked it I liked the fact it was yeah. Noah's voice whispering and not Gansey yeah haha <laughs> Yes, if only Gansey had stayed dead. If only Gansey had stayed dead. I I remember, or not remember, I, or I guess I do remember. I feel like I, the first couple of times I read this book, because this is one of them that I read more than once, that I, I feel like I wanted, instead of Cabe's Water, to die and to you know, reanimate Gansey to recreate him. I wish that he had been dreamt by Ronan. Yes. Yes. That would have been an acceptable way to bring him back as well. Yeah. Because you're not if really bringing had... him back. It's not it's no. not Gansey. And that that would have been a good that would have that would have been the only appropriate way for him to come back. He has died. He is dead. And then 
a little while later, time has passed. Blue has kissed a thousand people. Blue has kissed a thousand people. She's driven around in the Camaro in the Sea of Mitsubishis. Ronan and Adam live happily together in the barns. And, you know, maybe Ronan has a dream of his past life, the things that they've done before, and he accidentally brings Gansey back. Yes. That would have been great. And then, you know, he wakes up and he can't move because that always happens to him when he wakes up. And then Gansey's like, uh, hello. What am I doing here? I thought I was dead. <laughs> like, that would have been a good ending, too. Yeah, it just kind of just ends with the Hi, Ronan, said Gansey. And then end. Yeah. Just end. Yeah. And it leaves that the reader going, <gasps> Yes. That would have been perfect. Yes, that would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's the only way he should have come yes. back. I agree. I agree. I confirm. That is, yes. Stamp of approval. <sighs> All right. Well, now that we've uh, completed the book yes. in the way that we approve yes. of, should we move on to Would You Rather? Would you rather encounter one giant 12-inch hornet or a swarm of regular-sized hornets? On Facebook, 80% of you are battling the giant hornet. On Instagram, 88% are battling the giant hornet. But on Twitter, 100% taking on the swarm. And on TikTok, 92% are battling the giant hornet. Can I just throw in here Yes. that we probably should have said in the would you rather question that the giant fucking hornet that you're fighting is also a demon. But then we'd also like have to say that chosen the, him less. The, 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 the swarm of hornets is demon controlled. So... Yeah. The demon. The demon is involved here. Yeah. I think it would have made... The question a little bit less giant hornet heavy. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Just a, just an aside. Also, it's a demon. P.S. What? <laughs> demon? <laughs> we'll just have that as out for our enjoyment. That's fine. Okay, so some comments. Colin on Facebook said, Swarm for me. I shall control them using my magical powers and train them to put on Broadway shows. Afterwards, we shall paddle on the lake together and reminisce on good times gone by. I can only assume he uh, needed medication at the time of writing. It's, it's possible. Bree on Facebook said a 12-inch hornet is basically a bee drill. All I need is a Pokeball to make it my friend forever. Perfect response. Yay, Pokemon. No Wire Book Chat on Instagram. Check out Wire Book Chat's latest episode because Amanda's in it. Hey, hey. That was a fun book that we read too. Shadow of the Fox. It was very interesting. Nice. Well, on Instagram, why a butchack said, well, I'm allergic, so either way, that is unsafe for me. So if I had the option, I would take the one giant one over the swarm of them. I feel like one is probably easier to escape. Except he's a demon. <laughs> Caveat. Demon. 
L20 Kev on Instagram said, Giant, I've seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and bigger is better for insects. Also a good reason to choose a giant insect. Yes. Carissa the Bookworm on Instagram said, I'd rather drown. Insects and I are not friends. <laughs> Why drowning? Why did we choose drowning as the death of... I don't know. We... It's interesting. <laughs> The Tourmaline Renegade on Instagram said, One giant hornet, of course. Easier to manage and squash, if necessary. <laughs> uh, Eddie Arcadian on TikTok said, One giant one. I feel like I have better odds 1v1 over 1v swarm. <laughs> I like 1v swarm. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> oh... Uh, Randall X two thousand on TikTok says, "How much prep time?" Which we respond, "Oh, none, none at all." And then they say, "Giant hornet, then easy." And we have some from the library. We do have some from the library. Um, and I did tell everyone involved in the would you rather at the library that the giant hornet is also a demon oh so you so. gave them the heads up but nobody else i did i did i did favoritism so someone said you know a swarm might not kill me if i can't outrun them and get stung i've got a feeling that one sting from a demon hornet will kill me i'll take my chances with the swarm i like that yeah they they are fully prepared to be stung. And then, you know, they're not going to be able to survive the one the one demon stinging. Well, it's freaking 12 lots inches. Of it's stings. basically stabbing you with a dagger. And then injecting gonna... its flaming poison into you. I know, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> um, someone else is <laughs> uh, lighting the giant demon hornet on fire with a can of hairspray and a lighter does that work fantastic. will somebody perform some science and do, try that don't actually do that a fictional hangover cannot be held responsible for any death disaster fires right burnings that does that. that does work though if you spray hairspray and and light a lighter i've i've seen it happen in real life i don't know if any 12 inch demon hornets were involved I don't recall that being a thing, but yeah, fire fire and hairspray, blowtorch. Cool. Please don't do that, anyone. Please don't. Please don't do that. Uh, someone else from the library says it depends on if they have a weapon, but they're thinking they're going to go against the 12-inch hornet. Fair enough. So what about you? I mean, if you've got a can of red, could you take down a 12-inch hornet with a can of insect spray? You know... We really don't know. We know that the way to kill the the demon hornet is a sacrifice, but we don't know that a can of raid won't work. Giant fly swatter. A giant. Well, I know I'm not allergic. One of those big, like electric bug zappers. But it's huge. Yes, but this is on the presumption you have time to fashion it together. Well, all you have to do is dream it, Ronan. Fine, I'll dream it. <laughs> what do I want to do? What do I want to do? You see, I know I'm not allergic to wasps. 
I've been stung by sure. three times. One little bastard wasp, three times inside my mouth. Yeah. What? The story. We're at a theme park called American Adventure. <laughs> and this is after I nearly died on the log flume. So I was having a shit day. So nearly died off on the log flume. My mum bought me an ice lolly, an orange ice lolly. And as I was eating it, I didn't realise a wasp had landed on it. And it stung me three times in the mouth. Once was on the tongue. And then there was a mile long hike to get up to the medical centre, up a hill. Um, where he was like, I can't really put bicarbonate of soda or whatever it is in your mouth. It's in your mouth. So, you know, just chew on these ice cubes. It's a good job you're not allergic because you'd have been dead by now. I was like, oh, thanks. I've had a rubbish day. And then my brother bought me a teddy bear. And the teddy bear was dressed as a little aviator and he was, and he's called Ace and I still have him. It's a good story. It was a horrible day. <laughs> The death on the log flume, just for clarification, it was it was three log flume um, slides down, and at the time it was the tallest log flume slide, and we hadn't reached that one yet. It was like the it was the first or second one, and I was sitting at the front, and I got flung forward and nearly went over the front and underneath. I was literally like touching the water, and if it wasn't for my mum's quick reactions and my brother's quick reactions. So it was me, my mum and my brother were in high order. And my mum jumped forward, pulled me back by the legs. My brother had hold of my mum and then both of them had the arms around me until we could get off the log flume and I was freaking out because we still had the biggest one to go. And I was just, no. And then, 20 minutes later, fucking wasp stung me three fucking times in the mouth. That's gotta be the worst day of your entire life. Shit. One of the worst days of my entire life, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, so there you go. Um, 12 inch hornet, the mandrel swarm. I'm really. I'm not bothered about going against either of them because my plan is to just bug spray it to death. Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Ronan loophole. I will dream a big kind of raid or a freaking flamethrower and kill the son of a bitch now see me I am going to be Piper in this situation and I'm going to befriend the giant (laughs) hornet and just carry him around you know just carry him around like a creepy little ugly baby and then Make him, you know, favor me. I won't take it as far as Piper did. She just got rude with but us. But she did. She did. Like, you you have this, this guy who can, you know, do whatever you want. You know, don't be so wasteful. Respect Keep the him demon. around for a little while. Respect him. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to respect the demon. And make him my friend. I bet you didn't even take and him out carry, for brunch. Carry him around. If you take a demon out for brunch, you've got them for life. Yeah. Your life. Yeah. You know, they just will kill you eventually. But yeah. Right, they will. Yeah. Demons love yeah. brunch, it's a fact. It's true. Yeah, we know this. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Would you rather 
got some dream objects here, have Robo B, or a dream object that Ronan created, <laughs> appropriately called Orb Master in all capital letters. <laughs> That's just a tiny, like, little thing full of fireflies, essentially. Oh, I want Robo-Bee. That you... <laughs> yes. I want Robo-Bee. It sounds delightful. I want a little little Robo-Bee. And then I'll have a little, like, Lego flower for it to live on. Oh, it's nice. I, I like Robo-Bee. But I love the idea of just having this thing in my pocket that I can flip open at any time and like a swarm of lightning bugs comes out. And they just swarm around and you know, they're just they're just orbs floating around me at all time. And then you are the orb master in all capital letters. So I think I'm gonna go orb master. You could have some very dramatic entrances or exits with that, couldn't you? Yes, whilst I'm carrying the creepy demon wasp hornet uh, like a creepy ugly baby. Yes. I imagine it hisses. Surrounded by orbs. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Would you rather fight the grey man or the Numier? <laughs> you can pick which one you want to um, fight as well. Or you can fight all three. We have not stipulated. I feel- I feel like I feel like you don't have a chance at surviving a fight with the Grey Man. He is capital S skilled. So I think I'm gonna go Lemonnier because I feel like it could become a comical like slapstick sort of situation with all three of them fighting at once and then you're just in the middle holding your your demon hornet ugly baby surrounded by orb master and then there's just three brothers who all look alike and they're all fighting i i feel like it would be a really good episode of the 300 foxway sitcom yes you sold me on that i hadn't decided i could yeah. not decide you sold yeah. me on that that's ha- that's what's happening and it, it and it gets to a point where you just kind of like walk away go to the yeah, pantry and they're all get a fighting. cookie make a cup of tea and right. just kind of like what the heck what the heck yeah and they're all fighting each other and they don't even realize that you've walked away and gotten into your goth pantry yeah the goth pantry is now it's a panic perfect. room as well <laughs> it is yes the panic pantry yeah. um you know can i just can i ask us to do things a little bit out of order. Okay. Because there's one question that I really, really want to ask, but typically I only ask two okay. questions. So I... Go for it. I want to ask... No, I want to ask one. You have to ask one. You ask another one okay. right now. And instead of us I am going to ask you ask then, the last one. Would you rather visit the barns or 300 Foxware? <sighs> this is really a difficult question especially now that we've created the 300 foxway sitcom see that's why i'm at 300 foxway i'm at 300 foxway there's the sitcom there the goth in the pantry's there the morning fighting off in the garden now you know they've moved outside because they've started trashing the place right yeah i'm doing some yoga caller so if if it's not this fictionalized TV show of 300 Fox Way. I'm going to pick the barns. 
Um, I would love to explore all of the weird stuff in the barns, see all of the weird dream things that have been created, all of the weird, like, failed dream things that have been created. But if it's the sitcom, <laughs> then I'm going 300 Fox Way. And is, as is traditional as the, the, the credits roll at the end, everybody just throws themselves back on the sofa. <sighs> right. Yes. And then the pantry door opens. Hello. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> End of book. Oh, gosh. Oh, I love it when we devolve into things. So do I. We've latched. We've, We've latched, latched on. I'm, I'm solidly there. I, oh, God, I need it in my life. <sighs> okay. I have to ask a question. Okay. And it's not a question that we will love to answer. Oh, no. But I feel like, and it's not the, the murder, fuck, kill game that was in the very first episode of Fictional Hangover ever that made us realize, oh my God, don't ever do that again. I still remember listening um, to that one. It was very It was disgusting. Uh, so this one is, is along that same vein. But, I mean, it's very important in the There's book. There's far too many caveats it, going on here. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Would you rather, assuming everyone is appropriately aged, oh, no. kiss Ronan, Adam, Blue, Gansey, or Noah? Because kisses are very, very important in this series. You gotta do it. You gotta kiss one of them. Noah. Which version of Noah? Crazy one. The crazy gristly one? Yeah. Or like the crazy one who gets really big and like trashes everything. Oh, interesting. I always, you know, the in um, Gail Carragher's series, as, 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 you know, as the ghosts start to, the the formerly's ghosts start to whisper where and become slightly mm -hmm. unhinged. That's what I had in my mind with Noah near the end. Do I want Grizzly Noah? Probably not. Might leave bits you on me. You gotta pick a version. Ugh. Might be like... Yeah, and then like parts come off. Parts and just like this oily like... I can't describe it, just... You know when you get a, you know when you get a hair on your tongue and you can't get it off? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. But there's no, and then the hair's taken off, but you can still feel it like a phantom hair. That would, that's yeah. what I can imagine the grisly Noah kiss would be like. I'm going to not go for grisly kiss because I feel like it would be rude to smooch someone and instantly brush your teeth. Yeah. Like you, you, you're literally offensive. turning the electric toothbrush on as the smooch is taking place. Yeah. It's not cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a wispy Noah who is cognitive enough to understand what's going on because consent is key, but not yes. giant Noah because I've got a feeling it'd be too big. Like, he'd be like, yeah. and I'd be like, I used big words okay. for all of that description, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, you really did. It was a good one. That's <laughs> what you get. I'm really, yeah, I'm really glad that we saved this question for last, just because of all of that. Because my everyone already knows my answer, even though 
even though it will never happen because we don't like the same kinds of people or we do like the same kinds of people actually but you know Ronan is is everything that I've ever dreamed of <laughs> dreamed of because he's yeah. a dream because he's a dream he dreams things I just I just love Ronan so much but you know he he doesn't like girls he's so not that way inclined no 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 but he's just one of he's just one of my favorite characters of all time. He'd be the one reaching so, for the electric toothbrush. He would be, and he would do it, and then he would be like, "Ugh, why did you do that, you asshole?" And then I would be like, "I, I, I wanted to." You, you just dream it. He'd be like, "No, don't do it. Don't say that again. Nah. Stop it. Nah, nah." He would be like, "Nah, dog. Nah, dog. <laughs> nah, dog. Don't do that." Yeah, because I don't like anyone else enough. I, I, I don't care for Adam at all. No, yeah, not bother for Adam. Not bother for... Certainly no. not bother for Blue. Nah. Gantic. Like, eh. Yeah, eh. Shrug. Yeah. Noah. Yeah, I like Noah. It's fine. I'll, I'll smooch... How about the grey I'll man? smooch Noah. You smooch Ronan. And the rest can jog on, mate. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. It had to be asked, though, because it was very important. It was key to the story. She says. We had to do it. We had to do it. We had to do it. All right. Favorite final thought quote. Okay. I'm going to give you three. Okay. Scream if something eats you. Yes, yes, (laughs) that's exactly what would happen. No homework. I got suspended, Blue replied. Get the fuck out, Ronan said, but with admiration. Sergeant, you asshole. <laughs> uh, Ronan Lynch, dreamer of dreams, fighter of men, skipper of classes. <laughs> oh, that's a good description of Ronan. It's a precise, very precise description. Yeah. What are yours? And I'm assuming you have many. I mean, I don't have as I don't have as many as one would imagine that I would have for this one. Let it be thus, or whatever. It's my <laughs> command. It's my command to the demon. Let it be thus, or whatever. <laughs> Yay! Said Henry. Also, woo. should we split up or is this a horror movie it kind of is a horror movie i feel like if this was actually a movie rather than it being you know the 300 foxway sitcom this would be a scary scary things happen in this one and it could be beautifully created as a horror movie well i would say to you can we not have both can we not have the raven cycle as the horror movie and the 300 yes. Fox Way sitcom as the delightful sitcom yeah. that it needs to be. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. All right. I think my last one, maybe I, maybe I should share an, an important one. So maybe this won't be my last one. Let's not get carried away just because you tried to kill someone. <laughs> but this was not a dream. This was his life. His home, his night. That one's kind of mushy and, you know, full of feels. 
If you can't be unafraid, be afraid and happy. That one's pretty good. And then I think I'm not going to say it in Latin as it is in the book because I would butcher it, but um, it's translated to perhaps it will be pleasing to remember even these things at some time. And that's when demon-possessed Adam was trying to kill Ronan and Ronan's trying to calm him down. Like, you know, one day in the future, it's not going to be as bad as this. I, I appreciated that. That was another mushy, good scene from Ronan, I think. As he's being murdered <laughs> by the boy that he likes. When's the best time to create good quotes? Why being murdered. Whilst being murdered. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough of those for me. So let's move on. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. And, and I'm sure I've recommended this one before, but it feels more than fitting for the Raven Boys. So if you don't know, if you are completely clueless as to what this book is, how? Uh, the summary from Goodreads is, Simon Shaw is the worst chosen one who's ever been chosen. That's what his roommate Baz says, and Baz might be evil and a vampire and a complete git, but he's probably right. Half the time, Simon can't even make his wand work, and the other half, he starts something on fire. His mentor's avoiding him, his girlfriend broke up with him, and there's a magic-eating monster running around wearing Simon's face. Baz would have would be having a field day with all this if he were here. It's the last year at the Watford School of Magics, and Simon's infuriating nemesis didn't even bother to show up. There's just so many aspects of what is the Raven Boys in here. Yeah. Plus you you do yeah, get so many. the gay boy romance, which is nice. That's right. Yeah, I do love a gay boy romance. It is a very good as trilogy. As long as there's horror involved. Oh, there's scary. There's like, well, I'm not saying scary bits, but there's bits that make you go, Ooh. but it, it, it is excessively British. <laughs> of course it is. But it's enjoyable too. <laughs> You, 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 it's, it's good. It's good. It's the the favorite. My favorite thing that Rainbow Ryle has done is the 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 Simon Shorter Snow trilogy. It's better than Carry On. Look, it's Simon Snow is the first uh, trilogy starts with Carry On. Oh no, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. It's better than Fangirl. Oh God, yeah. what I meant to say. What I, I literally say, saw Fangirl in, in the store the other day and I just looked at her and went, Ugh! <laughs> and I walk away. <laughs> so so what have you got? My book is one that I am surprised that you have not recommended before because you re have recommended books by this author on several occasions. I went back and checked. I did I did a history check. And I, I'm surprised that you have not mentioned this one. Because you always mention books by this author. Naomi Novik. I freaking love it. It's Deadly Education. I freaking love that book. It, the, yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, I'm have surprised I not recommended it? How have I no. not recommended it, Amanda? I don't know. The, I, I don't know. The, the, but just you, that. I haven't read the third one yet. I'm dying to just be able to sit down... I love, love this book. It's very I'm British. I'm surprised as well. that you didn't recommend it. So, 
let me read the summary for you that I found from meetnewbooks.com. I decided that Orion Lake needed to die after the second time he saved my life. Everyone loves Orion Lake. Everyone else, that is. Far as I'm concerned, he can keep his flashy combat magic to himself. I'm not joining his pack of adoring fans. I don't need help surviving the Scalamance, even if they do. Forget the hordes of monsters and cursed artifacts. I'm probably the most dangerous thing in this place. Just give me a chance and I'll level mountains and kill untold millions. Make myself the dark queen of the world. If that's not me, I don't know what else is. At least, that's not, that's what the world expects. Most of the other students in here would be delighted if Orion killed me, like one more evil thing that's crawled out of the drains. See, crawling out of drains sounds like me all around. Sometimes I think they want me to turn to the evil witch they assume I am. The school certainly does, but the Scholomance isn't getting what it wants from me, and neither is Orion Lake. I may not be anyone's idea of the shining hero, to me, but I'm going to make it out of this place alive, and I'm not going to slaughter thousands to do it either. Oh, I am giving serious consideration to just one. This sounds amazing. I haven't read it, but I know that you love this author. So, I, uh, the Deadly Education is amazing. It's I, I the year I finished my degree, the Christmas. I took time to just sit and read books and I finally was able to pick up A Deadly Education and I just did not put it down. Elle, who's the lead character, is an absolute lovable asshole. She can be an absolute dick, but she always does the right thing. And I'm not going to tell you what Elle is short for either because that bit in the book's quite funny. The second one, I literally closed the book and went, fucking hell shit a brick oh my god and checked that the third book was on pre-order already and how i haven't read the third book i haven't had the time to read the third book it's killing me that i haven't read it yet but the third book is literally sitting on my shelf it is a signed special edition release sprayed edges gorgeous gold I love the series, I really, really do, and I would love to cover them on the show, but I don't know how we would do the summary, because there's so much. The summaries would be 20 years long. We've done a couple that are that long. Hello, have you not been a part of the Raven Cycle? I've been part, and the Diviner series. I would adore And the Diviners, which we've finally finished. You have to understand one thing, though. They are excessively British. So are you. I am. However, do you not need a break from that? No. Fine, then let's cover them, because I freaking love these books. Adore Fine. them with let's my whole it. being. The school That's how I is feel about literally you, trying to murder the students. I love it. You just just really ignored the fact that I said something delightfully nice about you. I probably didn't hear. It's a shame. I said something really, really nice oh, about you. I'll never You'll know. just have to actually listen to this episode to find out what it You'll was. You'll probably edit it out. And then no, I'm leaving secrets. it in. Secrets. <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Anywho, 
I think I've conveyed my love for that series enough. I think you have. We can move on to the new and indie spotlights. Why not? Uh, I have one called The Memory Index by Julian R. Vaca. And actually, this one has already come out. It came out in August of last year. And the second one is coming soon, which is why we were tied into this and why, why we found out about it, why we got an email about it. But anyway, this one is called The Memory Index. In a world where memories are like currency, dreams can be a complicated business. Hashtag tenuous. <laughs> In an alternative 1987, a disease ravages human memories. There is no cure, only artificial recall. The lucky ones, the recollectors, need the treatment only once a day. Freya Izquierdo isn't lucky. The high school senior is a degen who needs artificial recall several times a day. Plagued by blinding half-memories that take her to her knees, she's desperate to remember everything that will help her investigate her father's violent death. When her sleuthing almost lands her in jail, a shadowy school dean selects her to attend his Foxtail Academy, where 500 students will trial a new tech said to make artificial recall obsolete. She's the only degen on campus. Why was she chosen? Freya is nothing like the other students, not even her new friends Ollie, Chase, and the alluring Fletcher. Definitely not at all like the students who start to vanish, one by one, and nothing like the mysterious Dean Mendelssohn, who has a bunker deep in the woods behind the school. Nothing can prepare Freya and her friends for the truth of what that bunker holds, and what kind of memories she'll have to access to survive it. Ooh. Sounds like a good sci-fi. Yeah, there's lots going on. Sounds great to me. Yes. Okay, so that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover <laughs> and the Raven Cycle. I'm so glad we got to do this, even though you hated all I of them. Didn't I appreciate hate all you of them. I really for enjoyed joining me Lily, Lily in Blue. this journey. I enjoyed the discussions with you. Just, I don't need to ever read them again. You never I need do. to read Heartstopper ever again. Unless there's a volume five. It's alright, we'll bring Drew on. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. And I'll just be the American over in the corner while the two British people talk all the time about excessively British things. And I'll just be American in the corner and confused. I feel like I need to learn Cockney rhyming slang just for it, even though oh. it's not involved at all. <laughs> no, that's hurtful. I don't think you need to do that. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Six Times We Almost Kissed and One Time We Did by and with Tess Sharp. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book.
You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. And on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>